Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, we are in the second week of a new series called This Is Living. And you're going, oh no, I missed last week. I'm totally going to be lost. That is not true. Each one of these messages is totally standalone. You don't have to. It'd be great if you went back and listened to last week's message. But it's not like you're going to be lost today or anything like that. But what we're really driving at with this series called This Is Living is asking the question, is this all there is to life? And if it is, like, is this really what God had designed? Is this really what was going on? And the answer to probably most of those questions is no. No, this isn't what God had in mind. This isn't what God designed. This isn't uh, all there is. He has a promise of more life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that, so that you may have life and have it to its fullest or in abundance, depending on what translation you're reading. And so as a church body, as we look at our lives, as we look at the, the community we live in, and we look around and we say, are we, are we having life to its fullest? Are we living life the way God has always intended it for it to be? Are we stepping into that fully? And so this series, uh, which will be going on for the next couple of weeks, is really stepping into how do we have full life? What needs to happen in our hearts uh, in our souls, and our minds to step into what Jesus really wants for us. And there's some big questions uh, that needs to happen. Last week was all about how we deal with our past and how that works and um, how we, we move on from, from the hurts and the harms uh, that we've had in life. And this week is about a, a topic that none of us struggle with. It's about denial. All right? It's ironic right there. Uh, but we're going to talk about denial this morning. Yay, everybody's excited about denial. Uh, but we're going to talk about denial today uh, because it just seems to really be kind of like a gateway drug to getting ourselves messed up, right? Denial is like, oh, it's not really a problem. It's not really an issue. And then we, we just kind of push it under the rug. And then we're like, ah, we're not going to talk about that. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to, I don't want to escalate anything. You know, Grand Aunt Susie's going to get really mad about this, or my boss is going to get mad about this, or so-and-so is going to get uh, upset about this. I just, I just want it not to be a thing. So we're going to, we're going to, it would have been awesome if I would have planted some trash underneath that rug right there. Um, but you know, just sweep it under the rug and we're going to deny that it, it really exists. <clears throat> The problem is denial doesn't work. Denial doesn't make anything better ever, right? So we're going to talk about that today. And this quote rocked my world earlier this week, and it couldn't get out of my brain. I had a whole other message written on Monday, and on Wednesday, I went to work on that message, and I came back, and I was like, so, Vaughn, I totally got a different message today. She was like, what did you do with the one on Monday? Oh, it's saved. Uh, but, but, but I have a different one because this quote just started messing with my brain and how we are living. And, um, I had to, and, and God just kind of uh, all kinds of, of stuff, uh, downloaded some stuff for me. But here is the quote. It's by a guy named Erwin McManus. And I uh, urge you to go read, um, any of his books, his book, Unstoppable Force on what the church should and could be like is fantastic. It's like required reading for the elders here at the church. And, um, but he, he has, he just came up with another new book and it was all about him, um, and his battle with cancer. Um, but anyway, I'm not plugging an author today. It just, he's been a pretty big formative mentor that doesn't know he's a mentor of mine, uh, for years. But his quote is this, denial is the avoidance of not only pain, but truth. 
Denial is the avoidance of not only pain, but truth. And I was like, oh, ouch. Because I think of denial as I'm only denying the pain, but not the truth aspect of this. And so as we work through this statement and, and how Jesus will, will speak into this, this uh, idea uh, a little later in the uh, in the message, but I want to talk about denial for a while and what it does for us and how it kind of messes us up. But, but how, how does it really relate to this idea of pain and truth? And so a personal example of denial for me, and I know nobody here has ever struggled with denial, so uh, you're just going to have to bear with the pastor this morning. But my big story of denial, I think the easiest way I can talk about denial, and especially this example of pain and truth, denying pain and truth, is uh, I have an issue with dentists. Anybody else have an issue with dentists? You had a bad experience maybe with a dentist. I had a terrible experience with a dentist about 10 years ago. And uh, it was terrible. Like, if I owned a gun, I might have shot the tooth that was hurting me. You know, uh, I'd get a crowbar out, whatever. Not shoot myself, but shoot the tooth out. That's, that was how bad the pain was. It was radiating. Uh, nerves were infected. And it felt like this tooth was the problem. But it was actually something back here. And it was all because of some goofball um, at, at the dentist's office. Totally did a terrible job with my mouth. And so my issues with this person became a problem that when I got a cavity, you know, when you get a cavity and you know, you got a cavity, you got like the, the little tingly feeling there. And if you drink coffee, you're like, <laughs> now on that side of my mouth, you eat a bite of ice cream. You're like, whoops, a daisy didn't mean for it to go over there. You know, I had, I had some issues and I was like, you know, no, I'm not going back to the dentist because I still remember the pain of the inflamed and the not being able to talk and the wanting to, you know, cry, uh, type, type stuff. And so I was like, I'm good. I'm going to go buy some Sensodyne, put some Orogel on it, be okay. We'll just numb the pain. No one's ever done that with a problem in their life, right? That's just me. That's just Jared. You guys don't do that, okay? So I became an Orogel addict, and we would just keep on popping that stuff in there and be like, all right, all right, good. And I think that went on long enough that most of the nerves just, like, died. Because it's like, it got better, because cavities do that, right? They heal themselves all the time. That's a thing. No, um... And so I kept on doing that, and this happened for about three years. And finally, one day, I had something in my tooth, and I took a toothpick, and I was was picking up my teeth, you know, real real nice image here, picking up my teeth, and all of a sudden, I I couldn't get the toothpick out because it got stuck in the ginormous cavity that was in my tooth. Yeah, that was a fun experience. You all, you guys, so my denial of the truth was about to lead me into a whole nother world of pain. Do you, do you understand what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying? Because while we can laugh at my tooth story, and that's true, that's a true story. Like the, tooth, the toothpick was like, out here is just stuck. We're just talking about that too. Um, and so we, we had to go get that done. I, instead of just got cavity filled that cost a hundred bucks, it was like this whole root canal, you know, couple thousand dollar work that had to be done on the, on the stupid tooth. In our lives, when we deny maybe even the, the small pains and inconveniences of our life and we brush them under the rug and we say, ah, it's okay, we, don't, we, don't, uh, we avoid the truth of the, of the situation, what starts to happen? Things start to decay, bigger problems have to happen, and then when you do address them, it's a whole bigger thing than what it could have been 
three years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. And so we, we step into this, and I think we all do it because we just, we just don't want, we want, I'm not confrontational. I don't like, you know, making anybody mad. Well, you don't have to make, I mean, at some point someone's going to be inconvenienced by you, but you don't have to get into a shouting match about the whole thing. Somebody's like, you don't know my mom. Okay, fair enough. But denial is not, is the avoidance of not only pain, but truth. This week, um, I wrote this message before the stuff in Charlottesville happened. Um, I don't know if you're up to speed with, with the news. I was actually kind of sequestered. I wasn't watching news or doing anything when it happened. I got back and um, found all of the stuff, crazy stuff out. Basically, there was some white supremacist uh, in a march in uh, Charlottesville, and then there's some protesters of the protesters uh, going on there, and one of the, uh, the white supremacists decided to drive his charger through the crowd of protesters. Um, so bad things are happening. And so all over the news and, and stuff going on, and, and there's, there's been all kinds of reactions on both sides of it. But the underlying problem of someone decided it was a good idea to run their charger through a crowd of people, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. But we've denied that the underlying problem has been going on for so long that we just, oh my gosh, Let's make cars safer so they don't hurt people when they run into people. Like, we'll take care of all those issues instead of dealing with the racism issue that's at the heart of all of it. Folks, that's, a, that's, a, that's denial. I want to think that racism isn't a bad thing in our country anymore. I really do. Like, I, I really hope that that's, that's, that's something, and maybe in my lifetime, that, that really can be a, a better place. But hate still exists. And we as Christians have to step up in a, in a way to say, that's not who we are. That's not what our Jesus is about. That's not who we can be at, about at any point. We're about loving people. Jesus says, in the most foundational couple sentences in all of the Bible, he says, what does it mean to be a follower of God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then right after that, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And someone says, well, who's my neighbor? Because like, I like my neighbor. My neighbor's here today. Great, I can love him. I'll go over, you know, clean his pool every once in a while. We'll have a good old time, have a barbecue. Great. No, 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 no. He says, your neighbor, and he tells the most race-infused story he could possibly think about. He tells a story about a good Samaritan, which would have been just, I cannot explain to you how incredibly shocking that would have been to somebody. That would, have, that would have been going to a plantation owner in 1845 and saying, you know what you got to do? You got to go love those slaves. And going to the slave and saying, you know what you got to do? You got to love that master. And he's like, what? No, I don't want to do it. He, he just flips the whole script. I can't, you can't delineate who you're going to love and who you're going to care about and who you're going to accept and who you're not going to accept. It's, I'm going to love you. This is foundational to who we are as believers in Christ. That we love the Lord God with all of our strength, all of our, all of our mind, all of our soul. But we love our neighbors in that same way. And so as um, your pastor this morning, I could not keep silent about that. I don't I really wrote the message before this, but I think it, it fits into the denial. We've denied that racism is an issue. We've voted for a black president. Sweet, racism's over. 
Like we, we deny that those things are real. We deny them. And then something like this happens. We're like, oh, they are not fixed. So I don't know where you are at in that spectrum. I don't know where you're at in the, in the, in the struggling. I don't know your experiences. I don't know how you were raised. I know in my life, we had some issues. Um, my, my grandpa was, was stabbed by an um, African-American with a hair pick. Um, when, in, when the high schools were integrated, he was a security guard. And so he had some distinct views on African-Americans because of his experience. It was, it was distinct, okay? Um, my father's here going, well, that's, that's interesting, Jared. That's a nice diplomatic way of saying that. So you have, though, that history, right? And then you've got that passed on to my father. And so he's trying his best to do this, love your, love your neighbors, yourself, love God, and, and, and stuff. And then I'm, I'm taking his heritage and saying, okay, now how do I process that? How do I teach my next generation? And so because this is taught because of this, I had one of my beautiful, wonderful students come over to the house when I was uh, in, in Georgia a couple months ago. And she knocks on the door, and I'm doing something with Lucy. My hands are full. And I'm like, Bowen, who's at the door? And she, he goes, Oh, one of your old students, or one of, the, one of our big kids. One of the big kids is what he calls them. One of the big kids. That's what we always call them. You want to go see the big kids? Yeah, okay. And he looks at my son's seven. I looks at it, and um, I'm like, one of the big kids? Who's coming over here? And I was like, Erlen's the only person who, uh, who said she was coming over. And I said, well, can you describe her? He goes, yeah, she's got curly hair. She's from Haiti. <laughs> All right. It's not racist to say she has dark skin, Daddy. Uh, like she's she is coal, coal black. But what he noticed was she's got curly hair. It's pretty. Oh yeah. I was like, winning, 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 winning. Right? I was doing a little dance. I was excited. Uh, but it was just so funny to me that like that's that's not even on the radar. And so how do we raise raise new kids where oh they got curly hair? Oh, okay. That's awesome. How do we do this and, and go on that? This is not what I wanted to talk about today, but it's on my heart. And I think the, God wants us to say, hey, guys, I see injustice. I see hatred. And we got to step into it. And we can't deny it anymore. And some of us, those are big hurdles that we've got to come up with. We've been uh, taught and been exposed to things that are counter to what Jesus wants for our lives. And uh, that's a hard hurdle, hurdle for us to jump through. I know it is. Um, Denial is the avoidance of pain and truth. Denial has pain. Denial has pain associated with it. I'm struck by the idea that uh, time heals all wounds. This is a load of poo. Denial does not heal all wounds. Or time does not heal all wounds. My mother has a wound in her leg. If she denied that it exists and just let time take care of it, she would die. Okay? But, but, but time's going to heal all wounds. I'm just going just to walk off. That's a physical issue, but we do the same thing with mental and spiritual and emotional issues all the time. I'm just going to walk it off. Be all right. Just let that go under. If that was the case... We would be able to figure out, psychologists, psychologists would be able to figure out, at one year, you're going to feel this much pain. At five years, you're going to feel this much pain. At 20 years, you're going to be fine. How many of us have wounds 20 years old that still are as fresh today as they were 20 years ago? I know I do. I struggle with them all the time, right? And you're like, no, get away from me. 
It's, we've denied them for so long. We swept them under the lug that we never dealt with them in a, in a healthy fashion, matter that they, they keep on coming back. They keep on being festering underneath it, like a splinter that you're just like, you know what? I don't want to pick at it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch it. And then all of a sudden, your foot's infected, and you got issues. Time does heal wounds when you've started to work with the issues. When you've started to address them. When you step into that and say, you know what? This is messy. This hurts. My heart hurts. We were helping a student this week uh, start the grieving process. And it's been something she's been putting off for, I think, three years now. And the idea, I thought it was so beautiful that the, the people she wanted to help her with this process were her youth leaders, were Kevin and Kelly and Chris. Like, that's who you called to help you go deal with the loss of a, of a father. Church, that's who we got to be about. But it's taken three years for her to get to a place where she can, she can start to deal and grieve and, and, uh, and, and be there. And that is so incredibly painful. But what happens to a, to a girl who, who waits 20 years to deal with that kind of stuff? What kind of, how does that start to mess us up? Because I'll tell you what happens. is It changes the way in, in what happens in the choices you make in the rest of your life. And you do it with stuff that you've been denying for years. And I do it with stuff that I've been denying for years. That it changes my, my mental capacity on how I make decisions. It changes the way in which I treat people. It changes the way in which I raise my kids because I've denied it and just let it, no, 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 it's not going to come out. But it still starts to fester and it starts to poke and it starts to prod and it starts to work. And it keeps us from living the kind of life that God has called us to. Because God says, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Doesn't it sound like that when we, when we bury those things? That, that sounds like it's killing, stealing, and destroying the life that God has for me. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. God says, let's take care of that issue. Let's deal with it. Let's bring it to the surface. But that's going to hurt. Uh-huh. It will. Second thing denial has is denial has dishonesty. Denial has dishonesty. Denial requires a lie. Denial requires a lie. You've got to lie to yourself, basically. For denial to work. Or you got to lie to everybody around you. Lecrae uh, tweeted this this week. Lecrae's a Christian rapper. If you like rap, check out. Well, he, he's a Christian and a rapper. He'd be mad at me for saying he's a Christian rapper. Um, but denial requires a lie. He said, truth frees your past and a lie captures your future. Truth frees your past and a lie captures your future. I thought, ooh, that'll work. Truth frees your past because when you address your past and you say, this is what happened, this is what's going on, this is what, what's, what's, what's attacking me or what, what it has attacked me, whatever's going on, instead of lying to cover it up, instead of dealing with, you know, working around it, that's what it is, and now it's free. But a lie captures your future. You know what happens when you lie. Now you got to start lying to keep the first lie from being exposed. And now you got to remember, who did I lie to? When did I lie to them? And how, what do they know? And what don't they know? And how can I keep them from knowing other things? And you just, your whole life starts to get consumed with protecting yourself from all these different lies. Truth frees your past, and a lie captures your future. Denying the truth of a situation only prolongs the lie. 
that you have been told or that you keep telling yourself. So how do we deal with it? How do we step into it? How do we work through this denial stuff that we all kind of struggle with? I think the first thing is we're going to talk about what what Jesus is, is teaching us today is this. Confronting the issues of life brings clarity and resolution. Confronting the issues of life brings clarity and resolution. Now, these are incredibly important, incredibly hard. I can write that as a sentence, and it's like, oh, that's a good sentence. But doing this is incredibly hard. When I thought about this, I thought about what it means uh, to confront an issue I have. I have a messy garage. Anyone else have a messy garage? Yours all perfectly clean, right? So um, I have a messy garage. We're going to keep it nice and light with Dennis and garages today because, because you know, we can get really, really uh, touchy on, on this issue. But we all have garages. <clears throat> some of us have messy ones. Some of us don't. Those that have clean garages always judge the people like me who have messy garages. I can feel your eyes on me. Um, but we have to confront the issue, right? So you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done having this mess of a garage. I'm done having all this mess. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean it out. We're going to take it. The first step is you take everything in that garage. You throw it like a yard sale in the front of your, in the front of your yard. Kevin and I were driving past somebody this week. This is a true story. This actually happened this week. We're driving by, and Kevin's like, ooh, what do they have there? And he's like, let go in looking for what, what he can get and deal. So I'm like, Kevin, I'm pretty sure he's just cleaning his garage. Well, I mean, we can make a deal. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, no. But you, you, know, you know what happens? You take all this stuff, you throw it out in the front yard, and you're like, oh, okay. And you look at your garage, and all the stuff's behind you. You're like, wow, it's beautiful. Right? It's pretty. Everything's the shelves are nice and clean. And everything looks good. And then you turn around and you're like, "Oh, good lord!" And you got all this junk, the stuff that you never even use, the stuff you don't need. All, all these different things going on. Um, I have two seven-year-olds, and so then I have all their bikes. But I have bikes stair-stepped down because they won't get rid of the little Minnie uh, and Mickey tricycles that they have. Because Bowen legit looks like a clown trying to uh, trying to ride this thing. You like that. This is why we don't videotape our messages. Um, but he'll <laughs> go around the driveway looking like a clown on his little uh, you know, Mickey Mouse uh, tricycle because he loves it. So I've got all their old stuff in there that we don't need, that doesn't cause any problems, that actually probably is harmful to his growth as an individual. But I take it all out and I throw it away. And then you know what? I get tired and I just kind of want to go inside because it's hot outside. I need a water. The kids start acting up. Lucy wakes up from a nap, starts screaming. Just leave all my junk in the front yard. That's some of us. When, that's, when we confront the issues of life, sometimes we just vomit it all over the place, right? We go to a place and we're like, Bruh! and everyone around us knows you've got issues, and everyone around you is like, wow, that person is not happy today. And we get to this spot where we just have gotten, okay, I need to address this issue, and we vomit it. But then we don't resolve it. Because resolving that is hard work. I got to put together shelves. I got to come up with a plan. I've got to throw something away. Oh, it hurts so bad. Right? And in that issue, and that's, that's the hard part of putting, what, what do I need? What, what's, what's, I got to deal with it. I got to touch it. I got to move it. I got to deal with stuff that maybe I even regret buying. You know, what do I do with that? Where does this go? I got to untangle all these fishing lines. I got to 
And that's a lot like our lives. And when we do it by ourselves, I guarantee you that it will not be clean enough. You will not get rid of enough. You will not take care of it enough. It will not ever actually get to, you get halfway done. This is what happens to me. I have like one shelf, that one shelf that got cleaned, that one gets done perfectly. Then I'm like, I'll just show the rest of the stuff in here. Okay, good. I can get Kelly's car in here. We're good to go. I'm not in trouble with the wife anymore, right? That's the goal, not to be in trouble with the wife. But, <laughs> but we deal with that. But so here's where we need help. See, if I really wanted to get uh, my, my garage in order, I would get help in doing it. Now, I can get teenagers to help me take all this stuff out and throw it across the, the, the room. And you can easily find friends and people in your life that will help you get the trash and just make it public. You know, everybody will be like, oh, yeah, let's share that post. Let's do whatever. We'll help you get your trash out. But it's really a true friend that will help you get your stuff in order. And so this is where Jesus comes in. See, we deny Jesus when we refuse access and authority. And this is where I was going with that. My, my, uh, my neighbor who's here today has a pristine garage. Like I look in there, I have garage envy. I'm like, oh, it's all, it's all nice and neat and clean and everywhere it goes. He doesn't have two seven-year-olds anymore, so I think that's a major issue. But, uh, you know, I get garage envy. If I wanted help to get this done, I'd say, hey, come on over here and we'll, we'll, we'll help me with this stuff. Well, he's going to have to say, Jerry, we've got to put that on let go. Hey, Jerry, we're going to have to throw that away. Uh, who are you to tell me i got to get rid of my stuff? I bought that stuff. You don't have access to that stuff. What are you talking You don't have the authority to make the decision on, on throwing away that stuff, Right? And we do this. When we deny Jesus, we refuse access and authority to make the changes in our lives. And that's what we do. We say, God, help me get rid of my stuff. And he's like, okay, we got to take it all out of the garage. And so Jesus, Lord, clean me. Okay, I can clean you. And he takes the stuff out. And then slowly we're like, he's getting a water. And we're like, Let's put this stuff back. And Jesus is like, no, no, we're not putting that back. We're not, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing, no, Jared, we're not doing it. We gotta, we're going to get rid of that. Like that but I like this. I haven't used this snowblower yet, but I really want it. I will not get rid of a snowblower. No, but that's not a good one. Um, but we're, we're, we're take, I haven't used this. I don't, I don't use it, but I like it, and it's broken, though. But I, I think I'll fix, fix it someday. We've got to get rid of that. When we deny Jesus, we refuse access and authority. Do you understand how that messes us up? Because when we deny ourselves, we give access and we give authority. And this is incredibly important. When we deny ourselves, we say, you know what? I'm actually going to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm actually going to make God the decision maker of my life. We give access and we give authority. And this is incredibly difficult to do. Helping, asking Jesus to clean us and, and make us a new creation, pretty easy to do. We don't, like, God, just do your thing, take us, okay, awesome. And then the next step is, but now i got to give you access and authority of my life. Ah, now we're getting a little, I don't know if I want you touching those things. And that's where we find ourselves when we, when we have to deal with the idea of denial. Giving God access and authority of our lives. See, this battle isn't a one-time thing. It's something we have to address each and every day, and Jesus talks about this. In Luke chapter 9, this is um, a gospel. It's, it's a book all about Jesus' teachings. He says this, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You hear that? Daily. Daily. It's a daily choice. 
Not monthly, not quarterly, not at Easter, not when we're doing spring cleaning, not when things have gotten really bad, not when things are only really good, but daily. Now, this is a discipline, I think, that we need to impart in our own brains, that we really need to work on. This is a discipline that if we can incorporate it into who we are, I think lots of things can start to change for us. That we, we daily give access and authority to God. Every day we need to pray this prayer. We wake up. These are some prayers that I think we need to, uh, need to pray, and we're going to have them on the screen here. Every day, Jesus, I need, to, need the strength to face the issues as they really are. I need, Jesus, will you give me the strength to face the issues as they really are? Because we, we're all great liars, and the person we lie to the most is ourselves. Because it's hard to face reality as reality really is. I need the strength to face the issues as they really are. Second thing to pray. Jesus, let me see what is really going on and not what I perceive. Got a typo. Uh, Jesus, let me see what is really going on and not what I perceive. Jesus, let me see what is really going on and not what I perceive. Because the truth of that is hard. That's a hard prayer. That's a hard ask. What's really going on here? Is it, is it me bringing my baggage to the table? Is it their baggage that's coming out and they don't really mean the things that they're saying? that they got underlying issues that are, are doing this. Can I, can I see that, Lord? Because there's so much, there's so much different on how people, how you can perceive people and when they're mad or when they're angry or when they lash out at you. And when you understand their story, you understand where they're at, you can have a lot more compassion for them. How can I see what's really going on, God? Give me the strength to do that. Then every day, God, I give you access. God, I give you access. Whatever life's supposed to look like, I give you access to this. Every day, God, I give you authority. God, I give you authority. Not just a one-time thing, not just, you know, one time at camp, we, we say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. But the, every day we say, God, I give you authority over my life. Let the decisions that I make today be your decisions. Give you access to all of it. I'm not hiding it. It's, it's yours. What do you need to change? What do you want to work on? Start thinking about this, it's like, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> this is really, really hard stuff. Jesus in this in this teaching, he's actually teaching his disciples when he when he says this, he's teaching his disciples how to go out and minister to different cities. He's teaching them how they're supposed to behave, but he also does this thing where I think this is important in, in the whole idea of denying yourself and, and following Christ and everything that we do. He says, listen, you're supposed to go and be the person that, you, that you're called to be. I've given you the authority. I've given you access. You, you go out and you be the person that you're supposed to be. And if people don't listen to you, what you're supposed to do is take off your shoes, click your heels a couple times. No place I come. No, that's not it. Uh, you, click, you knock the dust off your shoes and you walk away. I don't know about you, but I want people to like me. 
I like people liking me. It makes me feel fuzzy and good inside, right? We all like people liking us. If you say, I don't like it when people like me, they're lying. You know, what curmudgeon cranky pants are you about? But Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. You love them the best you possibly can. You care about them. If they reject you, because they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting my mission, you walk out, knock the dust off your feet, and you go. But how many of us are like, oh, but maybe if I do this, they'll like me. But maybe if I do this trick, they'll like me. But maybe if I do this, they'll... we keep on going back to people who just are hurting us and, 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 and mean-spirited and just don't have our best interests at heart. And they're just going to keep on hurting us and hurting us. But we keep on going back. Jesus says, listen, deny yourself. Do everything you can do. Because if you are giving God total access and total authority, you've done everything that you can do. Okay? There's nothing else that you can do. You've been obedient. So, okay. I'm walking away. And that's okay. I think some of us need to know that we, are, we can be released from some of the battles we've been fighting. Not, to, not giving up on people. We still love them. We still care for them. We still pray for those cities or pray for those people or whatever. But it's like, it's not my responsibility. That's Jesus' responsibility. I'm not the Savior. He is. I'm not the Messiah. He is. I've just been sent by him. But God, I give you access and total authority in my life. I'm going to do everything I can for you. But when I'm released, I'm released. This is hard. And I started thinking, if I'm supposed to do this every day, God, I got to have some help. And so I said, what are some other everyday promises that God makes to us? This is a really easy search, right? Because what's a promise that Jesus says, or God says to us? Lamentations 3, 23 says this. The steadfast love of God never ceases. There's been you know, 8,000 songs written on this verse. The steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now think about this. If we're supposed to deny ourselves every day, we deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. We go through this idea of every day I'm giving you access. I'm giving you authority of God. And every day God says, I'm giving you fresh mercies, fresh love for a new day, because I know this is hard. I know this is tough. I know this is stuff that you've got to carry. So my mercy is fresh for you every single day. And I'm going, God, I give you authority every single day. Do you see this, how this cyclical, beautiful thing works? A lot of us were like, I'm not going to give you authority, but I still want that mercy. Right? Like, I'll take that mercy. I'll take that love. It's great. It's great. It's great. We're like love mercy hoarders. But God, I give you authority and I give you access. Because the only way we can deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and live that kind of life is when God's mercies are fresh every single day. When we deny our denial, we get to step into life. We're giving Jesus access to who we really are, what makes us tick, and the things that drive us. Jesus is calling us to a different kind of life, a life full, abundant, overflowing. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life and give it to the full. My hope for our church, my prayer for our church is that we would grab onto life, this kind of life. 
giving God all access, all authority in our life, and we can really truly start to step into who God is for us and how he has designed us and what he has for us. I think that journey, that excitement is, is bigger and different and grander than we ever could imagine. So maybe you can join with me this week in, saying, in praying just kind of some simple prayers. God, I give you all authority over my life. I give you all access to my life. There's nothing I'm hiding from you. You have it all. The power of that simple kind of prayer, of what that really does to our heart, that really sets us on a different path. What can that can mean for us? How can that change us? I think this week, this month, this could have some transformative effects on who you are and how you've been dealing with some stuff and some of the things that you've been denying and hiding deep, deep, deep down for a long time. Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, will you forgive me of all my stuff? Will you clean me? Will you speak to my heart? Lord, I've been struggling with things for years, and it's time that I quit sweeping them under the rug, but expose them to you. So Lord, will you move in my heart what I need to get rid of, what I need to dust off my feet, what I need to let go so that I can live the life that you've called me to. Lord, I don't have enough strength to do that on my own. Will you help me? Will you take all this stuff because it's been drowning? It's haunting me and no matter what I do, I cannot escape it. Will you give me the strength to face the pain and the truth, the harmful things in my life? Jesus, will you please restore me? Right now, Lord, I want to give you all my past, all my present, and all my future. Every day I give you access. Every day I give you a total authority of my life. Lord, will you take this life in this moment? in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> As we leave here today, I want to urge you to, um, to pray those prayers with me. And that's probably something we'll put on Facebook a little later, uh, the, the four different prayers you can pray every day. Um, but also as we go through this week, start praying for thinking about um, your neighbors and the other people who need to kind of hear this story of what real life is. Not because we all, I look around, I go hang out in a coffee shop, I walk the aisles at Mariano's, and I see a bunch of people that need Jesus. And what does that look like when we start praying for them? That they would come and know the love encounter with Jesus. Uh, one of the great ways that we do that, and we just try to be really friendly and, and accessible, and to prove to people that we're not crazy and don't have three heads, is our block party. And that's why it's such an important thing. It's so easy to invite people to. And so uh, I want you to take these cards, all these seats um, this week, especially if we've got kids going back to school this week. Such a great time to, be, to invite them. First impression, hey, you want to come to a party with me? That's pretty cool. I'm just saying. There's going to be bounce houses and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but also sign up in the back, please, today uh, for different things. To, so how you can get involved with this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful event. I'm so um, excited to be a part of this. And I can't wait to see what this fall has for us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.